very good afternoon. It's Niall Boylan on this wet Monday afternoon. Getting close to Christmas. I could start singing, but my producer gets really annoyed when I start singing Christmas songs because he reckons that I can't actually sing. So radio is probably the right business for me. Thank you to everybody, by the way, who has subscribed and donated to the show over the last week or so. We really, really do appreciate it. If you want to continue to do that, or if anybody wants to donate or subscribe to our website, where you can watch the whole catalogue of videos and interviews that we've done over the last six months, all you got to do is go to www.nileboylan.com. And don't forget, for everybody who donates or subscribes, they go into a draw every single day. We give away one of our mugs. We got our smug mugs. That's them there on the screen. And you, one person will win one of those every single day. There seems to be in big demand. Right, today we decided, because of called the hoo-ha in the United Kingdom about the COVID inquiry, Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak only saying today that all of his WhatsApp messages conveniently disappeared for the COVID period. And we heard Boris during the week trying to explain exactly why his disappeared. Well, you, you see, I got a new phone and, and, and when I transferred the, the, the WhatsApp messages, for some reason I lost a lot of them. I'm sure you did, Boris. Of course, uh, Boris opened his testimony with, you know, sorry for the pain and loss and suffering people experienced during the pandemic, but his comments were interrupted by protesters who were ordered to leave the inquiry room. But here's the point. Should we have a full public inquiry? Now, there's already been a suggestion that we have an inquiry in relation to how we should deal with these things going forward and the mistakes that are made, but no suggestion of a full public inquiry. Even Philip Nolan from Neffet said, no, that wasn't necessary. But I believe it is necessary because I believe a lot of stupid mistakes were made, not just mistakes because we didn't have data, not just mistakes because we weren't quite sure. And we understand it was an unprecedented event. And just to remind us a little bit again of that unprecedented event, almost three years or is it four now? 2024 years. Sorry, almost. You lose track of time, don't you? Almost four years ago now, uh, just in March 2020, of course, um, Leo Varadkar stood on the steps in Washington and gave us the bad news. And if we remember that, here's that video there. You can have a quick look and you can see that uh, Leo, where is he? Ah. Good evening. Laila Padraig Honadiev. This is a St. Patrick's Day like no other. A day that none of us will ever forget. Today's children will tell their own children and grandchildren about the national holiday in 2020 that had no parties, no parades, but instead saw everyone staying at home to protect each other. In years to come, let them say of us, when things were at their worst, we were at our best. Our country is making big demands of our healthcare staff and big demands of every single one of us. Tonight, I want you to know why these actions are being taken and what more needs to be done. We're in the middle of a global and national emergency, a pandemic, the likes of which none of us have seen before. So far, the number of cases in Ireland has been relatively small. However, we believe the number will rise to 15,000 cases or more by the end of the month and rise further in the weeks thereafter. The vast majority of us who contract COVID-19 will experience only a mild illness, but many will be hospitalized and sadly some people will die. We cannot stop the virus, but working together, we can slow it in its tracks and push it back. We can, as you've heard by now, flatten the curve, but only if everyone takes sustained action, nothing less will do. Well, there you go there. Since then, of course, we've had published papers since our last lockdown. Ireland, of course, had the second longest lockdown in the world. 
Uh, there has been a working paper online last February uh, reviewed published paper which said lockdowns prevented relatively few deaths compared to the typical flu season in England and Wales. 18,500 24,800 flu deaths occurred in Europe. 72,000 flu deaths uh, occur and in the United States 38,000 flu deaths occur in a typical flu season. Uh, COVID-19 lockdowns according to the summary on this were a global policy failure of gigantic proportions. Um, economists who carried out the meta-analysis found draconian restrictions imposed in spring 2020, including stay-at-home orders, compulsory masks and social distancing, only reduced the COVID mortality by 0.2%. They warned that lockdowns caused enormous, enormous economic and social costs and concluded they were ill-founded and should have been rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. They also claimed the best explanation for differing COVID rate, debt rates in countries was the difference in population, age and health and of the quality of the health sector itself. But look, it is clear that many thousands of people died from COVID-19 and with COVID-19, uh, but equally, that is true, that, that the true numbers will never be known because, of course, like every other single country in the world, we exaggerated the deaths by using the word with COVID-19 and not from COVID-19. In other words, if you died of a heart attack but happened to test positive in the previous 30 days, you were put down as a victim of COVID-19, not a victim of a heart attack or a car crash or whatever it happened to be that caused your death. There is no doubt for the first few months we were in unknown territory when that statement was made by Leo Varadkar. But realistically, did we actually make any difference when we were doing all these lockdowns, social distancing? Let me go through a list of the words before I come to my experts today, Ivor Cummins. All right, well, I'm just going to remind you all, this is going to send shudders down your spine, all right? Flat the curve, just two weeks, lockdowns, restrictions, or numbers, social distancing, stay in your bubble, six for a funeral, six for a wedding, wash your hands, wear a mask, unvaccinated are bad people, contract tracing, essential businesses only, PPE, community spread, transmission, chief medical officers, Neffet, clustering, cocooning, super spreaders, remember them? There were kids at one stage. Uh, Self-isolation. Oh, God, I remember that word. COVID-19 variants. Every time, of course, we thought we were on top of things, we were told there was a new variant. Herd immunity, lockdown, shielding, PCR tests, of course, which we turned out to be completely exaggerated. 14-day quarantines, if you felt like it. And asymptomatic was a word we invented. That was a good word, wasn't it? That was a word that when you went to hospital or you went to a doctor or you took a PCR test, you were told you had a virus, but you felt perfectly fine. We were told to stay indoors for 14 days and not to go near anybody, even though there was actually nothing wrong with you. Uh, you were told you were asymptomatic. Well, the question I'm asking you today is, should we have a full public inquiry? And should people be held accountable if bad mistakes and bad decisions were made. Let me know what you think. The number is 85 uh, Now, let me just take your calls in relation to this. Let me first of all go to Mike, if I can. Hold on, I just closed it off there. Oh, I can't now move my mouse for some reason. Hold on. Let me go to Mike. Mike, hi, how are you? Oh, sorry, Mike, I do apologise. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, can you hear me? I can, Mike. Yes, Mike, should there be a full public inquiry? And do you believe that uh, people should be accountable for their mistakes? I think so. As the thing went on longer, you need to know, understand these decisions better. Mm -hmm. You need to see why these, at the start, of course, you don't know. But as, as it went on into year two, year three, a lot of money being spent around. Where did that money go? Who was it given to? Just like everything, just going back to all the other tribunals and inquiries over the past, all they do is barely give somebody a slap on the wrist or barely find out the actual truth of the matter. Yeah. So the confidence of something actually being brought forward is, is not it's not very much likely, unfortunately, in the country where... 
when you were during COVID-19 yourself, uh, like most people, I imagine you took it very seriously at the very start because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But at what point did you say to yourself, this is now getting ridiculous? Or did you say that to yourself? I, I think in a sense, the, the, probably after the first Christmas in a sense where it just, mm. it just didn't seem to, everything was just like, there was no logic to it in a sense. We're, we're wearing masks constantly. We're not allowed anywhere near each other. We're not allowed to do anything. And yes, the actual effects on people were different to everyone. It wasn't consistent. Like if you got it, like a flu, if people get a flu, they'll get relatively sick. But then even when the vaccines were brought in, people were getting sick off the vaccines. Well, mm-hmm. so it didn't actually make sense in a sense. And your your people were getting different effects to everything. And it, it just wasn't clear. Like in a way a healthy person that you would think would be fine so the underlying stuff also needs to be looked into as well so you from a health standpoint you need investigating a a practicality standpoint of what would have been best to do needs to be looked into and then finally the money where was that best spent and stuff like that because there's, there's there's jobs gone there's people lost employment. People, people, people lost their lives because of it. Because you've got to remember, you, I'm sure you remember the time you couldn't get to see a doctor. Um, you were lucky if yeah. you could get to talk to one over the telephone. Uh, doctors wouldn't speak to anybody. Sure doctors are making a fortune. Let's be clear about it. The GPs of Ireland made a lot of money during COVID-19 because they were getting paid to do PCR tests by the state. Right. So they were making, I, I think, 30 and 40 quid a pop they were getting, you know, to do PCR tests, um, which turned out in the end, we now know that the PCR tests were grossly exaggerated. But here's the thing. You couldn't get to see a doctor. So if you had, you know, maybe if you were a woman and you had a lump on your breast or if you were somebody who felt a twinge or you had blood in your in, in your feces or something and you wanted to go and get tested, you know, the, even trying to get an appointment for an early diagnosis of a very serious illness was nigh on impossible. Um, so a lot of people, because of that, um, would have had their lives shortened. Yeah, no, exactly. And then the, the impact of mental health, I don't think, is ever going to be recovered. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that's something that's, that, that was never right at the start before COVID, and it has just spiraled down completely where the supports aren't there for people who need it. Mm. And it's, it's just not it's, it's just non-existent at this point, in the sense if you actually had to go and get someone to actually see your friend, your son, whoever, it's just not, it's, it's not going to work in a sense because the HSC is so underfunded and they're cutting more funding. I couldn't agree with you more. Listen, Mike, thank you very much indeed for that. By the way, just news coming in as well. Rishi Sunak in the UK, literally just as we speak at 12.26, has just said Rishi Sunak apologises to COVID-bereaved families. Now, this is, of course, the UK inquiry which has found out, or we already know, which is exactly what happened in this country. And I'm going to talk to Magella uh, Beattie in a few minutes from Care Champions in relation to that. But they have found out, of course, that the huge mistakes were made at the start of COVID-19 by moving those who were vulnerable, the elderly, back into nursing homes who may have been in hospitals. I mean, it was the most ridiculous situation. And I mentioned to Ivor a few minutes ago, with COVID-19, the biggest mistake we made over three years was focusing on the whole population, when indeed the whole population really wasn't at risk at all. Um, the population that was at risk were those over the age of 75. They were the ones who were really at risk, the ones in the nursing homes. That was what we didn't take seriously enough. We actually made some massive mistakes. I'll come to Magella in a second about that, but let me just go, if I can, to John. John, hi, how are you? Hi, afternoon, how are you? John, should there be a full um, public no, inquiry? I don't mean a private inquiry, which has been suggested already, but a public inquiry, which Philip Nolan from Neff had said it was unnecessary. I believe it is necessary. 
100%. And I would go further than that. I would say that there should be charges, criminal charges brought against the people, politicians, HSC officials, whatever, who took the decision knowingly taking people out of hospital that were affected with COVID, putting them into nursing homes where people had no COVID. It happened here on Cochrane, 23 to 25 people died. Those people should be up in manslaughter charges. Mm-hmm. I make no apology for saying that. They deliberately infected people that were just elderly and in nursing homes and brought people in that poisoned those poor residents. We, 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 know, we know that the majority of people who are in nursing homes, obviously nursing homes is end of life usually, right? When I say end of life, that's where you'll remain, obviously, until uh, your end of life. Yeah. And the majority of people who do die in nursing homes, who die usually of natural causes, when I say natural causes, most of us die usually in the end of a respiratory virus or some sort of illness that causes our death because unfortunately our immune system can't handle it once we get older. Um, so most of those people who died of respiratory viruses would have died at that particular time of COVID-19. Well, not necessarily because look, if they would have died, they would have died organically. Oh yes, but no, I'm not suggesting fight. that. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yes. Yeah, this, this was fights to the pandem, like, which they had they, they, they had no redress or whatever. Then it was fights to the pandem. Then to, to add insult to injury, when your parent that was infected inside the home, right? You actually, you, sorry, you can hear the noise. Yeah, the I can. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. You, you, can, you, you can then fast forward the person that died in the nursing home. Their family couldn't see them. Right? You couldn't attend the funeral, only half a dozen people, right? I mean, this was absolutely criminality at the highest. I know you haven't even... Uh, do you know what's ridiculous I notice on the television at the moment? It really irks me, right? Where you have the guy, he's doing the crosswords, looking at the house racing, looking out the window, and then he says, ah, I love your television, but I can't be looking at you all day. Puts on his coat and goes down to the nearest day centre then, and they all say, look who's back, and the words comes out of his mouth, Hello, world. And unfortunately, that's happening and not happening in this country. People are still afraid to go out of an age. They know their mental capacity now has diminished and they're terrified of their life. Well, that, well, that's, but that's because there were certain members of the media. I'm not going to start naming names and I'd rather you didn't either, but you know exactly who no, I'm talking Jesus. about. There were no, certain members of the media, both in Dublin and Cork and Limerick and Galway, uh, broadcasters who were constantly scaremongering with ridiculous stories and bringing on people to terrify people. And we're only doing it right up to recently, up to the end of COVID-19, when most people were getting on with their lives again. There was a guy here in Cork, no names, and he said, he went down RT, and he said that those of us that don't take the vaccine should be ostracised from society. We shouldn't be allowed in anywhere. This guy, the chicken, and when he came across the deputation that was outside RT after, when he was coming out of RT after being on that ridiculous Today Show, right, he ran when he saw us. Now, also, the most lousiest thing of all, the, like this lockdown was ridiculous, it went on way too long, right? You had the Debenhams workers who had enough going on. You covered it, right? They were run off of the streets in Dublin by the guards. In Cork City, the couple of them that were outside Patrick Street, they were watching those buildings, right? Those down went to Debenhams. They were standing there to the longest dispute ever in the history of the country. Those guards came over, those cowardly guards, and that's what they call them. They came over and took their names. And the same week, there was a massive traveller's funeral up in the north of 300 people, and not one name was taken. 
Why? Because the girls would shit themselves. Yeah, but did, did they take the name of politicians in the department, or people that worked in the Department of Foreign Affairs when they had their little Christmas party? Do you remember that famous photograph? There was oh, no, no, no. no social distancing there. And uh, Did they take the names of all the people in Golfgate? Well, I suppose a few of them did get their names taken and lost their jobs. But stay there for a second, John, because I want to go to Michelle uh, Magella Beatty. Uh, Magella, good afternoon to you. Hi, how are you? Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Nice to talk to you again, Michelle. I know we spoke quite a substantial amount of times during COVID-19, particularly in the early stages when those yeah. massive mistakes were made where elderly people who were the most vulnerable, we know that now, of course, when we look at the data now, uh, were moved back into nursing homes um, and a lot of people who didn't have COVID got it. Yes, indeed. And sadly, you know, um, when you reflect back now, you see that there was nothing learned throughout the pandemic from wave one, two, three and four. The experiences of all our families are very similar. And, you know, while um, even today you will find that there, if a, any sort of an outbreak occurs from anything in, um, in a nursing home or a hospital, visits are shut out again. So we still have families coming forward with very inhumane experiences. So I think really... Um, for us in Care Champions, we believe that um, we need a proper investigation to find out what happened and who made decisions and why. And if you look at wave one, like we were, um, we were obviously led to believe that you know there was experts in place um, when COVID hit the world initially, long before it hit Ireland. So you would imagine that we would have been somewhat prepared. And then um, very quickly in March. When nursing homes closed on the 6th of March, very quickly we started to see some shocking outbreaks. And um, you look at places that would be very well known, like Delegate House, where they had a, a huge amount of loss of life. But where was the debriefing? Where was uh, sitting down afterwards to ensure that we would stop this level of uh, suffering and inhumanity um, for people going forward? But there was none, because we saw what happened in Delgan House repeated from county to county to county. And yes, we had loved ones who were locked away from their loved ones quite across the world. And including in Northern Ireland in November 2020, they brought in care partner. So no matter what was going on, if there was an outbreak or not, a family member could go in and be with their loved one. They would take the same precautions of staff members and they would ensure that their loved one's needs were met. It was, so quite, it was quite shocking watching those, at the time, those horrific images. I remember there was one particular image of a man standing outside watching his mother dive through a pane of glass while he was outside mm -hmm. the window. And I, I said to myself, thank God my parents had died. I know that's a horrible thing to say. They had died many, many years ago. Because I can tell you now, wild dogs wouldn't stop me from getting in to see my parents. Now, I probably would say that in hindsight. I don't know how I would deal with it at the time. But people who were dying in hospitals were left to die on their own which was quite shocking that they didn't have their loved ones there to hold their hand or just to be with them to say goodbye. All of those people are now suffering greatly and I'm sure the grief in all those people who didn't get to say goodbye to their loved ones is just irreplaceable. They cannot get that moment again. And the government, I believe, should hang their heads in shame in the way they dealt with that. The government won't even come out to stand for a minute's silence for all the people who died. And, you know, a point that's often forgot forgotten in all of this is the, it wasn't just people who died uh, with COVID. Yes. It was people who died of any condition because people were denied hospital transfer 
people were denied medical care for any condition in a nursing home. So if I lived in the community and I'm 80 years of age or 60 or whatever I would be, and I got sick, I would be brought to a hospital and I would be admitted. If I lived in a nursing home, I would not be brought to a hospital in most cases. And therefore, there was a huge discrimination against people on all fronts. And also, you know, we have to remember nursing homes were very short-staffed. And we have had where family members were telling their loved ones they were thirsty, you know, families were noticing loss of weight, hydration. And yet, in May of 2020, the Irish government signed a document stating they knew that lockdown would increase the risk of domestic violence and um, concern within private homes. But yes, our nursing homes were locked down and they knew that those risks were there. We were telling them from wave one, don't let what happened to our loved ones happen to anybody else and nothing happened. And yes, I think one big thing is why absolutely we need an inquiry it needs to be human rights led, it needs to be led by a judge, it needs to be independent, it needs to have the voice of its victims at its heart, but it also needs to lead to reform. We have no safeguarding laws. A, um, a safeguarding social worker does not have a legal right into a private nursing home. HIPAA doesn't have teeth. It needs to bring around something that, should something happen into the future, that there is rights for people who live in care. But, but, but here's the thing, Jella, and you may remember on the radio show, I was probably one of the only people on the radio who brought on professors and other doctors who disagreed with mm-hmm. lockdowns. We now know from three different published papers that, that studied lockdowns all over the world in different countries, different types of lockdowns, strict lockdowns, Sweden, where they had no lockdown, actually fared off the best, to be honest with you. And according to the, public, the published paper, and I'm only just reading one summary line, it said they warned that lockdowns caused eno- uh, enormous economic and social costs and concluded they were ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument going forward. In other words, they were a complete waste of time. It made no difference whatsoever to the amount of people who died with or from COVID-19. But yet we continue to do it in Ireland for the second longest uh, amount of time in the world. We had the second longest lockdown. Even Leo Varadkar only recently in the last two weeks has said that he believes himself that the last period of lockdown was completely unnecessary. But yet they still did it. They were told by loads of people that it was unnecessary and not making a difference. And yet they continue to do it. Yeah, and you know, I suppose my my passion, and I totally appreciate the the impact on society in general. But um, I know that in in the Netherlands, you know, very quickly after COVID hit the Netherlands um, in summer of 2020, they saw the negative impact on older people living in care, particularly those with dementia, of not seeing their loved ones, um, and they actually reintroduced safe visitation, and it never increased. Um, it never increased the numbers. So yeah, absolutely, there, there's serious questions to be answered. And, you know, I, if, the, if the government is going to go along the route of having a tokenistic inquiry and spending millions of euros in the process, that's totally, we certainly don't want that. And as families, we won't accept that. And if the government will not give us the inquiry that we need, we will find another way. You know, we, we've already had our human rights analysis and we've had... We will find the experts who will uh, enable us to bring to bring a proper investigation into what happened because the people who died deserved better and they were failed in their debts. They were failed before they died. They're not going to be failed in their debts. We're not, it has become our mission, I suppose, 
as uh, bereaved family members, not knowing who was there, what happened, were they thirsty, were they fed, did they get pain relief. It is our, I believe it is our duty to make sure this doesn't happen again, number one. But number two, they deserve the dignity to for respect so that their story I, co- I, co- I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Listen, Magella, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Magella Beatty from Care Champions. You can find them on Twitter or Facebook and all the usual places. Care Champions. Thank you very much indeed. Let me just go to Natalie. Natalie, hi. How are you? Hi, Niall. How's things? Good. Natalie, uh, your experience during COVID-19 and should we have a full public inquiry and if mistakes, when I say yeah. mistakes, if bad decisions were made based on bad data, should people be made accountable? 100%. And like, it, it shouldn't even be a question. You know, mm. you you made a mistake. You're, you know, you're in power. You're making decisions on behalf of your entire country. You mess up. You know, yeah. We need answers. Like, I mean, from the get go, they they told us that you know, get vaccinated. It would prevent transmission to others. It would save others. You'll save Granny. That turned out to be nonsense. It was yeah. It was based on utter lies. And the thing is that the, the HSE are still pushing this towards their their um, medical staff. Mm-hmm. You know, flu vaccine, get get your, your COVID vaccine, it will, you know, keep your family safe, it'll keep your co-workers and your patients safe. How? Yeah. You know, there was no transmissibility studies done. We know yes, this. Mind yourself. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Sorry, go ahead, Natalie. Yeah, so, I mean, even that, from, from that perspective, and then they, you know, the, the amount of abuse that I got, even on Facebook, um, you know, I hope you're not nursing my mum, I hope you're not nursing, nursing my granny, if they die it's your fault because you're not vaccinated. Oh yeah, you were blamed on killing them almost, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was horrific and then it became kind of us versus them, you know, and then that whole saga took off and you were just ostracised from society and that in itself had huge effects on people's mental health. Never mind the, the length of time that people were locked down and isolated, the most vulnerable in society, our elderly were neglected, they were the higher risk group. So this was all... They were the main sense. risk, and not, yeah. not just the higher risk, they were the main risk. There was very little they risk were, under were, the age of 70. They were pretty much... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we know that now. We see the data. We but we, see, but we here's the... the you're saying we know that now, and I'm going to talk to over there. We knew that six months after it started. Uh, yeah. But we still yeah, continue yeah, to do the, the same thing. And we were told otherwise, and we were told that, that children were like these viral vectors that were going to kill grandmas. Super spreaders, yes, super spreaders. Yeah. Remember that, yeah. They yeah. needed to be vaccinated as well. Like, I mean, a lot of this stuff we nearly forget, and I think, you know... So you, you're actually 100% right, I forgot all about that. So we were told that children yeah. were super spreaders, and they're yeah. going to kill granny, so you better get them vaccinated. Yeah. Yet, we now exactly. know, of course, that most countries now, a lot mm-hmm. of countries are not recommending vaccinating children because no. of the risk of the vaccination. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not yeah. going to come across as being anti-vax or anything. All I'm saying no, is, no, no, no. there was no benefits to somebody under the age of 18 from getting the vaccination because yep. they were never at risk in the first place. Exactly, and then this is the issue now that when you express you know, genuine, rational you know, thoughts and, and concerns regarding it, then you're just automatically labelled an anti-vaxxer and then you're automatically labelled, oh, you're far right. So they, they shut you up immediately by sticking a label on and then, you know, everyone just jumps on the bandwagon and that, that's the easiest way to shut you up. But, see the, but the problem but was, like, and I, I worked, obviously I work in radio, um, and at yeah. the time... Um, you were considered to be some sort of anti-establishment person if you had on, yeah. say, a professor, which I did on many occasions, I was probably one of the only ones that did it, um, who disagreed mm-hmm. with lockdowns or disagreed with the, the, the policies of the government. And uh, yeah. so much so that Kinzen, who were being paid by the state, by Stephen Donnelly and the Department of Health, yeah. to do a report every month on those people who are the naysayers, I was named in it as a broadcaster who was anti-establishment. <laughs> oh, there was many of us on that list <laughs> yeah. in Ireland. 
Kyle, yeah, yeah. I think I was way, way down the very, very bottom of my yeah. Twitter page. I, I actually took a little bit of pride in that, to be honest. Can I just point out? I'm, I'm so to Mark Little, by the way, yeah. Mark Little, the man who was responsible yeah. for Kinson. Mark Little, also the man who was responsible for that fantastic documentary two weeks ago about climate change and RTE, oh, that fantasy programme. Uh, Mark, thank you very much indeed for naming me. I really appreciate it. I know. Um, it's a little, little badge of honour for Yeah, yeah well, it was. Okay, so, oh, but, but what about, okay, Billy says on WhatsApp, here's an interesting one for you, Natalie, and I'm going to come to Joseph and Margaret in a second. He says, an inquiry should be focused on what mistakes were made and what to do in the future. Anything else would just be a divisive witch hunt. Is he right? It would it be no, a witch hunt? No, there needs to be. You know, there needs to be a witch hunt. Absolutely, there needs to be a witch hunt. Um, because, like, I mean, the, the data system that they used to predict how many deaths there would be from COVID was the same um, system that they used for the swine flu. And it was completely, utterly overestimated. And it didn't work. It was an absolute rubbish system. So, you know, knowing that, then they used the exact same system for COVID. It's like idiocy, mm. like the idiocy of it. And then they, I mean, the, the PCR tests, the upping the numbers purposely, to, you know, rationalise their lockdowns so then they, they could rationalise the use of the vaccine will open up if you all get vaccinated. Here's the big dangly carrot. You know, from my perspective, like I work in, you know, a community residence where, you know, a lot of our patients are quite elderly, but it's, it's um, you know, for mm. those with mental health difficulties. So, like, there was a clause there, the, the HSPC had, you know, their kind of um, their documents, you know, out, outlining visitors in community residence, etc., what to do, what not to do. But there was like there was a kind of a get out of jail card, if you want to put it that way, for residents who would be distressed and, you know, a visit would alleviate that distress. You know, so instead of using medication, a visit from their, their mum or their sister would alleviate that distress. So we were allowed to do that in those circumstances. And, um, you know, a lot of people weren't aware of this who were getting upset that they couldn't see their mum and their father or whatever. And I would send them that document, highlight that section and go, there you go. The care home, the residents, the, the nurses mm. in charge should be aware of this. If they're not, show them that and just demand that you see your family members. And, and there's, there's no doubt the mortality rate went up in care homes. A lot of people died. But a lot yeah. of people didn't die of COVID, as Magella pointed out. No, they, they didn't. They a died of, of other illnesses died. because of, they exactly. were so distressed. Mm-hmm. They were neglected. It was It's medical negligence. And I think that's what needs to be focused on here as well. They didn't die from COVID, they got COVID, then they had post-viral pneumonia, they were told to stay at home, they weren't treated for the pneumonia, they weren't given antibiotics, they weren't given any sort of assistance medically. They were left in rooms because people were so afraid to go near them, they were dehydrated, they were malnourished, so many things, not to even get into the whole medazolam thing. You know, and, and, and not even that I mentioned the Magella, this idea of people standing outside glass windows watching their loved ones die no, and take their last breath. It's horrific. Oh, you know, and you if can, it was me, I'd be suing the state, but go on, yeah. Yeah, and they're still pushing the fear propaganda now with the whole white lung disease and pneumonia spreading. You know, it, mm. it, it just will we'll go from one thing to another to another till people say stop. The monkeypox thing didn't take off because people were laughing at it. Going and what was the other it. one? Do you remember the other one for the kids, the Kawasaki disease? What was that one? Or the, was Kawasaki, it? yeah, no, yeah, that's right. And yeah. like, that didn't, that didn't take off either. That didn't kick in. It, no. Yeah, it exists. But stop blaming it on the vaccine. Stop blaming it, or stop blaming it on COVID. Stop yeah. blaming it on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just want to link everything now. Everything, everything now just becomes catastrophic. Listen, Natalie, thank you very much indeed, and thank you for your contribution. Let me just go to Joseph as well. Joseph, hi. How are you? Hi, now. Thanks for having me on. Good, Joseph. Um, in, in relation to COVID nineteen, uh, Natalie believes there should be a full public inquiry. Doesn't agree with Billy. She doesn't mind the device of which one. She thinks that's a good thing. Um. Well. I think there shouldn't be a um, an inquiry at the moment. 
because it's only going to be a sham trial. If, if it's run or in any way the current government have their hand in it, it'll be a big waste of money and they'll say, oh, you know, mistakes were made, lessons learned, da 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 and let's all give ourselves a bonus at the end of it. Absolute waste of time. What we do need is a change of government, firstly, to get them all out. Because well, you wouldn't be saying it was a waste of time, by the way, if you were in Natalie's situation and dealing with elderly people all the time. You wouldn't say it was oh, no, a waste no, of time no. then. I, and I'm not saying I'm not saying we shouldn't do it at all. What I'm saying is the current government can't in any way have a hand yeah, in it. Yeah, I actually, I actually agree. You, you make so much sense. It, yeah, it wasn't a mistake. Yeah. There was no mistakes made. These were intentional, purposeful actions mm-hmm. to be as destructive and be as as um, damaging as possible. So I don't want an inquiry. I want a, a trial for treason. I actually want. My point is that. Yes, they are not going to be held accountable if they are in any way involved in the whole process. And they will be, of course, and they'll say this and that. But the damage they've done to the country, and it's, it's not done. Like, it's going to keep going for decades and decades. Well, it will. I mean, the damage, there was a, a study out of, uh, I think it was Pittsburgh or somebody or whatever, somewhere in America, uh, where they suggested that the damage from COVID-19 to society would go on for the next 15 to 20 years, that it would shorten people's lives who may not have had operations or may not have had a diagnosis of cancer or whatever it happened to be during that period of time. Let me go to Margaret as well. Thank you for that, Joseph. Margaret, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. You've heard Natalie well, talk about particularly yeah. elderly people, which I think is a very good, valid point that's been brought up yeah. today. I agree with Natalie that the nursing staff and even doctors and anybody that works in the medical profession got an awful time during COVID, an awful time. And the verbal abuse and the threats that they got was unbelievable. But they were, the people were directing their anger at the wrong people. They should have been directing it at the government mm-hmm. that are in the doll. And they get away with murder in the doll. You look at Leo and he given confidential information to his friend. He got away with it. You know, you could name other things that the government has done that were illegal. And they did not uh, handle the situation at all very well because they haven't a clue. You know, uh, they don't have a clue what they're talking about in the doll. And you know I watch it every day. I know, you watch the Rockers TV, yeah. Uh, yeah Wouldn't be and, my idea I mean, of an afternoon, but however. No, but, you know, I, I, I do be interested in it. No, I know, and bad decisions. There's a lot of bad decisions generally you made. Know, but during COVID-19. Of, yeah, an awful lot of bad decisions were made there. And then when the COVID hit, the nursing staff in the hospital couldn't get protection clothing. Mm. Well, I remember, I remember the calls coming out for the PPE. I mean, we were spending yeah. money in places we shouldn't have been spending it and not spending it in the right amount of places. Yeah. Like, they brought in so much. Millions of pounds was wasted. Oh, well, I mean, I, as far as I know, in Tala Hospital, I think is where they're being kept, we bought God knows how many ventilator machines that we never actually yeah. used. And they're all yeah. sitting there brand new in boxes. I believe they're sending them off now to third world countries and so uh, they can I'm use sure them or they something. Will give yeah. them away for nothing. But they cost millions. Per, yeah. Taxpayer. Oh yeah. You yeah. know. I mean, it's always a taxpayer. And think about it, Niall. You had the banks, you mm. had the antisocial behaviour uh, that happened after those poor children were, were stabbed and their teacher and the streets and everything in Dublin destroyed. And that's going to cost millions of pounds. 
Okay, so just finally, Margaret, in relation to COVID-19 itself, let's just stick to that one. Do you believe that peop- there should be a full public inquiry, not a private inquiry, but a public inquiry, and should people be held accountable? When I say held accountable, those who made decisions knowing that they would make no difference apart from affect other people's lives or be damaging to other people's lives, should they be held accountable for those decisions? They should be. Okay, okay, but sorry, you want, Joseph, you want to say something just very quickly there before we let you go? Sorry, me? Yes, Joseph. Yeah. Um, look, I, I did get a bit over-impassioned there earlier, but I want to say that the, the damage that was done to the country, it was not a mistake. It was not an accident or oversight. It was on purpose. I really do believe that they well, were... I th- well, I think some of the decisions, I think some of the decisions were based on very bad data. Yes, absolutely. Not even bad data. I mean, I'm mean, purposely saying, like, how can we, you know, ruin this or how can we change this country to our whims and desires? And screw the people. And let's so you think there was too much power? In other words, power went to their heads. Thanks, Mel. I, I mean, okay. Look, Thanks. In, in any in any detective investigation, you have to say modus, means, and, and opportunity. Now, the modus there is Pfizer got what close to a trillion, a trillion dollars of euros. I mean, the the money they made was just insane, and all of them will be living off that for the rest of their lives. Look. Let's, let's make a bet on it. Will Stephen Donnelly go off and get a nice advisor job at one of the pharma companies after he's finished? Absolutely. Well, he, he may or may not, or certainly might get a job in Europe somewhere anyway. But, yeah. they, all, but they all will. At this stage, now God knows how many of them have been offered jobs in Europe uh, after this next election if they don't find themselves back in power again. And, and you are right, Joseph. You know, a lot of them are there to not only line their own pockets, but also to, to secure their own futures. Uh, sorry, Joseph, but I, I have to get through a lot of people here today. Thank you, Margaret, as well. Uh, let me just go to Joanne, I think it is. Joanne, hi, how are you? Good morning. Hi. Hi, Joanne. Um, just, a few, just a few quick points. Um, you asked a guy there earlier, what, when did he actually wake up to this convid, as I call it. For me, it was the day my daughter was, she was eight months pregnant and... Um, her leggings were actually, she couldn't even walk, they were so tight. Yeah. And we went to Dunn's and the manager would not allow us to buy clothes for her. And I pointed over to the off-license section and I said, one minute now, I can go over there and I can buy whiskey, but she can't buy clothes. Well, I remember that, I, I forgot all about that. Do you remember they, they, in shops that were considered necessary, the likes of Dunn's stores, what have you, yeah. they had the clothes section cordoned off. Cordoned off. That she she had not buy stitch. To put on her because she was actually getting so big. Because that was considered, uh, clothes to, were considered unnecessary. Absolutely, for bizarre. a heavily pregnant woman. Yeah. yeah. But can I just share a little bit of a story just for a few minutes with you about my brother? What Bonkers done to him. is that, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go on. Bonkers. So it was February 21. My brother was, wasn't well and she got him into hospital. It turned out he actually had uh, terminal cancer. Oh gosh, I'm sorry okay. to hear that. Yeah. No, he was in there for seven weeks now, and he wasn't allowed to visit her. Seven weeks. Right? So when all his tests came back, they rang his wife, and she asked him not to tell him while he was on his own, which they did. He had no one there to comfort him. They told him he was going to die. For seven weeks, that girl wasn't allowed to go near the hospital. We'd, we all took turns going up, sending in clean pyjamas and taking away the dirty ones. I get upset talking about her because I loved him so much. Now, she worked in healthcare. She works in a hospital with elderly people. And yet, they wouldn't allow her to go up and visit her husband and wear full PPE. So, it comes to Patrick's Day, 21. She got a phone call. He'd escaped out of the hospital 
Okay. Mm-hmm. He'd been talking about trying to kill himself because he was terrified of dying. He was found in Patrick Street, sorry, the North Main Street in Cork City. He was found in his pyjamas and his house coat by members of the public. He'd walked out the door of that hospital. And it was a week later, she threatened to get a solicitor that they discharged him to her care. And he went home to die in her arms. That's what they'd done to my brother. I'm so sorry. They that deprived. sounds awful. Yes. And yes, sorry now, I don't mean to be cruel when I say this. I want an inquiry. And I want to know, was Tony Hoolhan allowed in with his wife to hold her hand? Well, I don't know. And I know Tony's wife died towards the end of the pandemic. Um, but I don't know the answer to your question. Um, well, I, I want to know that. Yeah, I, I but I, but did he not, did he not say in the interview in RT that she went in to have her chemotherapy and whatever it was the sessions she was getting? Um, she went on her own. I think he did say that. Well, look, I, mm. my point is right. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to bring Tony and his wife into it, but in saying that, Tony Holland, of course, would have been head of Neffet, um for you know the first half of the pandemic. Obviously, uh, Ronan Glynn took over halfway through, but for the first half of the pandemic, and a lot of mistakes were made under his watch. Yes, and my brother was a victim of their mistakes. And somebody needs to be held accountable for what they did to him. And the time they took from me with my brother, that seven weeks that I could have been with him to help him when he was terrified of what was coming and he was left there in his own in the hospital. I want accountability for that. And I'm determined to get it. And I'll never, ever stop sharing his story of what they'd done to him, his own wife, that worked in healthcare wanted to load up to, up to visit him. I think I think it's shocking, and I've said this over and over again today that if uh, the idea of people dying on their own uh, during that period of time is absolutely soul destroying. It's shocking, uh, and th- the fact that somebody would be told they have a terminal illness while they're on their own, and knowing they're going to be on their own, you know, leading up to their death, it's no wonder he wanted to escape. But he wanted to kill himself. He spoke to other men in the ward. And it was they, they realised he was missing. He walked straight past security, out the hospital, and it's all there in the guard reports, if anyone thinks I'm making this up. He was found in the North Main Street, heading for the river. A dying man. They didn't even miss him out of the ward. All because he wasn't allowed to be comforted by his own family in the hospital. Shocking, absolutely shocking. Joanne, you're 100% right. I believe there needs to be a full public inquiry in relation to situations like that. And I'm sure yours wasn't an isolated situation. I'm sure there were many people around the country who were giving terminal diagnosis and left to die on their own. And we all know, of course, how, you know, positive thinking or where you feel positive when you have family members around, you can certainly extend your life. Uh, listen, thank you very much indeed, Joanne. And again, I'm sorry for your loss. Let me go to Joan as well. Joan, hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Niall. How are you? Shocking to hear yeah, a story I, like that, isn't it? It's well, it's shocking, but there's so many stories like that now, and so everybody knows somebody who who was affected in some way by that, like not being allowed to go to funerals. I mean, I've, I'm sure you've seen them as well. Where yep. um, the fa- I've seen one funeral where the family all pulled the chairs together, and then the the, the COVID police come. You know what I mean? As in the the the, the goody two shoes the you know, jobs worth come along and move them all away and all a funerals like those horrific scenes. And one hundred percent um a public inquiry needs to be done into this. One hundred percent. Yeah, I I, no. I I wonder will it ever happen, but that's the real question because the government would have a great fear of it happening because they know themselves they made a lot of stupid decisions. Well, they, they they all know they were in the wrong. But I mean, I like I I was one that I, I was lucky. I didn't close my business, so it didn't affect me very much. I didn't comply with anything that went on with it. 
with, with, with it. I didn't believe When you, when you say you happened. didn't comply, so you just didn't close your business down? I didn't close my business. I didn't wear a mask. I, 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 I was in trouble everywhere I went. I didn't care. I didn't stop me, you know. And what um, what, was, what is your business, Joe? What was, what was the business you had? Um, I make um, communion and confirmation dresses and I have an alteration, you know, thing as well. So. Okay. Okay, so and it's, members of the public can come and go and visit at you? Yeah. And you and you stayed open during the whole pandemic? I stayed open. I used to ring them up and say, do you want to come over for your for, fitting? Um, for fitting. Like to come yeah. over for your fitting? And they'd say, I can't go outside my 5K. So I would say to them, well, if you get short notice on your confirmation, I can't guarantee that I'll have your dress met. And yeah. then I'll be over. I'll see them, <laughs> and then they come over. Yeah, I mean, they, the whole idea of restraining people to five kilometres or we're in counties or wherever the, the phase was at the time was the most ridiculous thing ever. And we now know, we now know from all the published data and those published papers in this, it made absolutely no difference whatsoever. All it did was destroy I, people's lives. Yeah, it was just, I mean, the, the, the psychological damage that was done to children especially will never be, will never, never be. Because and the amount of children that lost part of their education. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the children, that, and as I said, I deal with communion and confirmation children and I can see the effects of it on them. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And the stories that I've been, the stories that I was told from parents about the children slicing their arms and everything. I mean, yeah. showed them photographic evidence, yeah. you know, so when they'd come over to me, I'd be, you know, I, I'd make a big deal of them because of that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but it of was course. Just, it was horrifying. It was horrifying to, to, to watch. And, and did, you, did you ever get, did you ever get um, a guard call into your business because you were still open or, or anybody give out about you not wearing a mask? No, I was, I was in my shop one day. It was quite funny. There's a hairdresser above me and the guard were, somebody reported them and the guard were, were, were banging on the door for them to open. And I was leaning on my counter talking to somebody sitting on the chair and they just looked in. They didn't mm. come into me. Right. And what about your mask? Now, did you wear a mask when you went into shops or anything like that? Never. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't particularly want to wear one. By the way, I found them extremely uncomfortable. Um, but the only reason I wore one, say going into say Tesco's or Dunn's or anybody like that, was to avoid the humiliation of people staring at you, thinking you were a murderer. And secondly, the fact that I worked on radio and I had a reputation and a job to keep. So yeah, um, well, I understand that, but I, I, I like. But I didn't agree with wearing it. You know, no, I'm I'm the boss, me, and I just wasn't having a bar of it. I just if I if I had if I didn't work in media, I wouldn't have bothered wearing it. I'm going to be totally honest with you. If I didn't work in media, that was the only reason I wore it. Yeah, and and I, I'm I'm on a busy road, so I mean, if there was if there was a supposedly pandemic, what, where was the ambulances? There was no ambulances going around. Mm-hmm. You know, it was fairly quiet. Like I'm I'm on a road that leads to Bowen Hospital. Yeah, I, I never heard any ambulances. You know, and a guy who walks in in um, in Beaumont Hospital, he's over all the staff all there. And two and a half years after it started, he said to me, "He said, I think you're right, Joan. I think it's a depopulation agenda." Well, we, well, we can clearly see now, and, and Ivor gave the the data in relation to those are what we call excess deaths. The excess deaths this year are much higher than the years of the pandemic. So that just goes to show you the pandemic had nothing to do with the excess deaths. Uh, oh, thank you very much indeed, Joan. Let me just go to Aga. Aga, hi. How are you? Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. I got, yeah, so, what do you want to say? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to thank you, okay, because this subject came up today and I remember in COVID driving down to Law Society, I was actually studying at the time and I was bringing my books back and I was listening to your afternoon show on the radio station. I remember you were discussing children and, and their lack of kind of um, being able to socialize with other kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you were asking a couple of questions. I remember thinking to myself, fair play. 
you're probably the only one who actually asking those questions and and discussing them and so I want to thank you for it. Well, I'm, well, I'm glad you remember uh, that because so, most people <laughs> yeah. don't remember that. I was one of the only ones yes, who questioned I do. it. Yeah. Because never, nowhere else actually nobody was asking questions and anybody who did, like lovely Dr. Marcus De Bruyne from Rush who was banned from performing right. or seeing the... Yes, that's yeah, right. From seeing the clients, he was asking legitimate questions about nursing homes. He was so, taken off the job. So we had the doctor in the Midlands Hospital who lost his job because he asked questions. You know, we, yes. we had we had numerous doctors, you know, who either got suspended, had their license taken away, or lost their jobs just Absolutely. for questioning the just for questioning the government. Yeah, and that was very surprising because in the whole history of of science, there was never a situation where two people of of a different point of view, if it comes to science, could not discuss. Yes, or could not disagree with one another. It was just one narrative. If you didn't agree, you were far right. You were shut up. That's it. No, no one wanted to know anything, and that's very worrying itself. That actually people of a higher education comes from scientific backgrounds cannot openly discuss any of those issues. So that itself should be up for inquiry. Mm-hmm. What's going on? The another thing I wanted to kind of say is I remember, like the lady said before, everybody has a story. I have a one short one. When my daughter uh, landed in Bowman Hospital, she was two months after turning 18. She was the first time ever in an adult hospital in excruciating pain. We were taught it was appendix. She landed on an operating table literally five minutes before they removed her appendix. They decided there was an appendix. It was something else. But the point is, I was trying to get to the hospital. I was trying to get any information about my daughter. They kept telling me, listen, your daughter is 18. We can't give you any information. She's in the care of doctors. So I drove there. I was trying to get to the hospital. At this stage, I do suffer from panic attacks occasionally. Yep. So I had a, at this stage, I had a full-blown panic attack, and I couldn't enter through the door because the manager of the little stall that was set up there with the camera said, sorry, you can't enter without a mask. And I said, sorry, I need help. Actually, I have a full-blown panic attack. I'm trying to find out anything about my daughter who, can, who doesn't know what's going on with her. They won't let me in. So I was sitting on the ground and waiting until it passes. So what I'm saying is that there was inhuman treatment completely. They didn't care what's going on with me. The fact that I wouldn't put the mask on to enter to the threshold of the hospital, they just left me out there. So that that was terrible. But um, 100% now, inquiry has to be made because if it's not, it is going to repeat again and again. And well, I, well, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if we had another pandemic tomorrow of COVID-19 or something similar, I guarantee you we would make exactly the same mistakes and we would do exactly the same thing, even though there are published papers now to show that masks made little or no difference, lockdowns made little or no difference. But I guarantee you if Absolutely. there was a, an outbreak again tomorrow of another, another type of COVID-19, we would do exactly the same thing and make the same mistakes Absolutely. Again. And one more thing quickly, because, you know, I, I, I was actually um, closely observing what's going on. And obviously Ireland was following up the decisions being made in England and so on. So let's say, I don't know if you remember the, the, the message that leaked out from uh, Matt Hancock. Oh, yes, yes. Health secretary asked him and media advisor uh, when to deploy the new variant. Mm-hmm. So they, they were chatting about when to deploy it to make sure that they... To get the maximum, yeah, behavior. to get them a maximum amount of coverage and scare factor. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then this landing in Ireland, 
Yeah, but this, this is the time when people don't remember Matt Hancock delayed releasing information about a new variant because until somebody said to him the vaccine uptake was a little bit low, they wanted it to be higher. So what yeah. they did was they delayed it and waited till the vaccine uptake went down and then they released the information yeah. about the new variant suggesting people should get the vaccine because of the new variant. And it was attacked, it was done tactfully. Uh, listen, Aga, thank you very much indeed and I hope your daughter's okay now, no by the way. hope your daughter's fine. Uh, no, she's better. Thank good, you so good. Much. Thank you very much indeed. Let me go to Bernie. Bernie, hi, how are you? I'm grand, how are you? Good. Bernie, a lot of people saying, yes, there should be a COVID a public inquiry. Others saying, well, what would it achieve? You know, you're not going to put anybody in jail for it. They're just mistakes that were made. We all make mistakes. I, I'm gutted at the way we actually reacted. And I, being a nurse, I am very, I just think we went the wrong way. I mean, TB was out there in the 60s and, the, you know, there was so much of fear and around that. And they our, our, our predecessors got on with it. They didn't close down to anything. Well, TB, well, TB was it. genuinely extremely dangerous, of course, where, uh, you know, yeah. you had a 50% uh, mortality rate over five years. In other words, you were probably going to die within five years. 50% of people would die within five years of TB. So that was genuinely dangerous. Yeah, so why did our pre our ancestors, our predecessors, decide that was the, the right way was to open up, um, you know, those whole, whole, you know, like uh, Merlin Park here in Galway, and uh, I think Blanchardstown wasn't their place, you know. Cherry Orchard, I think, was the other one, wasn't it? Yeah. The hospital. Yeah, yeah. And, and anyone who got it, they were all kept together and they got on with it, but the rest of the world got on with it. We got on with our lives here. We had no choice. Mm. Who made the choice? Where were we so wealthy we could shut our country down for nearly two years? Mm. Like where did it, where did you have money in your back pocket that you could live at home for two years in isolation? Like it's completely mentally mind fucked me if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, it's, it has done the same thing to me. I have to say, what what a wonderful <laughs> choice of words. <laughs> um, yes, it's mentally mind fucked me too. I have to be honest, Bernie. It, it is. It's mind blowing to think how we even agreed to it. I mean, yeah, logical I people, how we agreed not to travel six kilometres from our house, how we agreed to cancel our holidays, how we agreed to pay a fine of a thousand euro because we drove up to Dublin Airport, how we agreed to constantly wear a dirty, smelly mask we bought in a garage and had in and out of our handbag or pockets 400 million times and we thought that would actually do us the world of good. How we agreed to any of that is mind-blowing. Because, I mean, Niall, I, I literally give up my relationship with my parents. My mum my mom and dad, my dad passed away the week before it started. And my mum really needed us. And I couldn't get to her because I lived within the law. I lived with all the freaking down, all the things they put in place. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed. And I actually believed them. I thought this is, you know, and I and being a nurse and seeing every infection come up to that point, never had this reaction before. And here I was thinking, oh, my God, I'll risk I'll kill my mum. What will I do? So I chose to stay away. Yet there was people down here, the rich of this country, I don't know who they were, they were having their suitcases brought by taxi and they were going out to the holiday homes here in the middle of the night. And yet we were not allowed to speak about this yeah. because they were breaking. I mean, I'll never buy fruit from Keelahans again because of what they did. Oh, this they the the fruit pickers, there. yeah. Yeah, that, that, that blew my mind. We'd be, um, be, how were they allowed in? And yet we were allowed, allowed five kilometres. Like, I, I just... I don't understand how... And, and then the, the lockdowns conveniently ended, you know, in and around whatever it was, March or just before the war in Ukraine started. The lockdowns conveniently ended. Uh, oh, that's the end of the lockdowns now. Oh, by the way, 
There's got to be thousands of people coming from Ukraine, a country which had the lowest vaccination rate, by the way, can I just point out, one yeah. of the lowest vaccination rates. So all of a sudden, thousands of people were allowed to come into the country, made them unvaccinated, and sure, all of a sudden, the unvaccinated weren't really the lepers of society after all. Because we've, we've removed the restrictions, we've moved the lockdowns, and now this is a good time to do it. But it, look, by Leo Varadkar's on admission, those last six months of lockdowns were probably unnecessary. A bit late now telling us that. And Bernie, I mean... You as a nurse would understand how important it is for somebody who is very poorly, particularly if they're elderly, you know, to have visitors and how much that can help Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Or a mother going, I mean, my daughter was pregnant through part of it and she had no partner going in. She nearly died on the, t- you know, emergency. I didn't see her for a week. She was in intensive care. I could have lost my daughter and my grandchild and I would have never known a thing because I wasn't allowed inside the door because she was an adult. That I completely and I, I can't I believe that actually happened. I wasn't even allowed to see a video of her. Do you know that I never get over the heartbreak it has brought to so many people's doors. I mean, people. I mean, I know neighbours of mine whose children were in Australia who were dying and they couldn't even get home to say goodbye to their parent or grandparent or anybody. They had to say goodbye on the phone. How heartless is that? And, and, and again, it was all completely unnecessary. We now know that was completely unnecessary. And when I say we now know, we knew this. The Barrington Declaration, by the way, had said this, you know, a year after COVID actually started. The government knew, as Ivor Cummins pointed out, if you look at, at the, the cruise liner, that where, where it had got out on the cruise liner, they knew from that point, that was like he said, a, a Petri dish, essentially, this cruise liner with all of these people all in around the same age, over the age of 70, on one ship, 3,000 people. And they could actually do the data, measure it, because everybody got it, of how many people died, how infectious it was. We knew from that point the data in relation to this, the mortality rate, and how it affected people over the age of 75 and not under the age of 75. It was nonsense how we carried on for two and a half years. Do you remember, do you remember Dr. Houlihan there every evening and we'd be all on bated breath, oh Jesus. How many died oh, today, Houli? Yeah. yeah, like another thing is now, what about all the waiting lists that have bent up as a result of it? And, and by the way, I do, I do want to point out that I'm not denying that, in case people think I am, I'm not denying people did die of COVID-19, of course they did, but people die of the flu, 500 people die every year of the flu in Ireland, uh, but we exaggerated <laughs> the figures completely by suggesting that just because somebody tested positive for COVID, that was the cause of their death, but in most cases it actually wasn't. Yeah, like I mean, you know, people with heart disease, silent heart disease have died, and there was no, you know, no statistics. Sorry, taken on that. I remember talking to a friend of mine who works in a major hospital and I said to him at the time, I said, tell me the truth. I said, according to the news, there's 12 people in your hospital and I in ICU with COVID-19. And he says, yeah, but he said, they've all been there for ages. He said, they're not in there because of COVID-19. He said, they're in there because they had a bypass operation or because they had something else, but they just happened to test positive for COVID-19. He said, it's, they're not in yeah. there because they have COVID-19. But it should be like that. You've got an, you know, you've got an MRSA because you, you just happen to check you on the day. Yeah. You might, you know, you walk around happily with it. You know, it's, it's only dangerous if it if it turns on you or you know become become there was, septic. There was literally it, there was literally a case raised in the UK because they were using the same uh, formula in the UK, which was that if you had been tested within the last previous thirty days and tested positive for COVID nineteen, your death was marked as COVID nineteen. There literally was a case of a man who was hit by a bus because people had said that at the time, but it usually doesn't happen too often. But a man was literally hit by a bus and killed, and he went down as a COVID nineteen death because he had tested positive ten days previous to that with COVID nineteen. And that was a COVID-19 death. Like, I mean, that's what I mean. How did we let them away with it? Like, are we gone that soft? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no point in having a public. It's a waste of money. I'd rather see the money. Oh, sorry, I lost it for a second. Go ahead, say it again. I've allowed... Oh, sorry. No Go ahead, Bernie. I lost it for a second. Go ahead. You'd rather <laughs> say what with the money? 
I said, forget all having another load of money wasted on another public inquiry that absolutely yields nothing. Let's spend the money on the children who are in waiting lists and the adults waiting for hip replacement and cataract surgery. Waste, do it on positive things. Move forward and say, right, we'll, we'll, be, we'll get this initiative going. We'll get all the cataracts done by March. We'll get all the hip replacements done by April. Let's, you know, make a positive out of a negative. No, well, we've just spent 50 million, by the way, given to the country so they can pretend they can change the climate. We could have spent that 50 million on it. Listen, thank you very much indeed, oh, Bernie. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, by the way, I was waiting yesterday with bated breath for the first journalist or government minister to mention climate change after the tornado in Leitrim. And, and, and sure enough, the one journalist who I believe was going to do it didn't let me down. Oh, yeah, there's climate change there now. Yeah, here we go. Um, uh, but like, can I just point out for those people who believe that the tornado in Leitrim had anything to do with climate change, it hasn't. We regularly get tornadoes in Ireland, but because 80% of our country is unpopulated, essentially, or doesn't have a village or a city in it, we don't talk about it very much because we don't really see them. Uh, let me go to Madeline. Madeline, hi, how are you doing? Hi, Niall. I'm just listening to everything that's been said there and I'm wondering really what is going to change or who is going to challenge the government on all these bad decisions. Who? Mm. Well, who is going to? Well, well, somebody has to, you know, call it. And I know Grip Media have been calling for a full public inquiry uh, and they asked the minister last week, Pascal Donoghue, and he said he took responsibility for the decisions he made uh, during COVID-19. But they asked about a public inquiry and it seemed to be kind of shrugged off a little bit. Now, there has been suggestions of a private inquiry, but that would achieve very little apart from, you know, the government saying, well, we won't do that bit again or we won't do that bit the next time around. But I mean, should there be a public inquiry whereby people are held responsible for bad decisions? Well, I do believe that everybody who partook in lockdowns and mandates during this um, scandemic at the time should be all held responsible for everybody who died or lost a loved one. Can I, do you have time if I backtrack to a little story from Sicily from 2014? Yeah, go ahead. Real quickly, on holiday in Sicily, did a history tour with a very uh, knowledgeable historian talking about the Mafia, and he said the Mafia aren't like the Robert De Niro and Al Pacino that you've seen on the television, he said. The Mafia now are the elitist German banks. He went on to say, as a matter of fact, he said, most of your mortgages, there was English and Irish people on the bus, um, that are held by your local banks and local um, credit unions, he said, you'll find there'll be letters coming to the door now over the next few weeks to tell you your mortgage has been taken over with people you don't even know. He went on to say about how the world was going to change. I had never heard the word globalist or new world order until that day in 2014, he talked about a planned pandemic that was going to happen. He talked about a cashless society being a reality and he talked about digital currency. So I heard that back in 2014, told loads of people when I come home, nobody kind of... Well, a lot, of, a lot of people predicted, you know, all, a lot of that stuff. You know that there. I were, know. Yeah, and and, and I know David Ike said all of that kind of stuff too, didn't he? And absolutely. Yeah, and some. And, and don't get me wrong. You know, some of the stuff David Ike says is a bit potty, but a lot of the stuff he says is actually quite, you know, quite good. Quite. I find it interesting. Absolutely. But the point I'm trying to make is, then when COVID happened, and you watched all those scary pictures of bodies being dumped into the back of army trucks and all the rest of it, we were all waiting on that. Here, it never happened. So I started to read and research and I was not taking that vaccine because two of the most published doctors in the world is Robert Malone, Pierre McCullough, had spoken out about it. Donald Trump was last off the world stage when he recommended people take ivermectin and hydrochloroquine. People said, oh, he's telling you to take bleach. 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in India that couldn't get for those vaccines all went into local stores and bought $2 boxes of ivermectin. There wasn't a mass amount of people died from COVID in India. So you have to look that this was some sort of a, it was fear mongering. It was a plan um, for the future of this gagging order. That's the way I feel about it. And I also watched um, video footage in a hospital in America and it was taken by a nurse who had worked in the hospital for 15 years. And it was her and some doctors doing a walk of shame down the corridors. They had been working on COVID patients and flu patients as they had for 20 years. They had to do a walk of shame in front of all their colleagues because they did not take the vaccine and they were all sacked on the spot. And I just said, this is all Which, wrong. But, 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 but that happens here too, by the way, Madeline. Any, anybody working within the HSE who didn't take the vaccine uh, were either moved to a different department um, or they, they weren't allowed to continue. They were told they had to take it. And and, I, I, and by the way, I remember the arguments because I had an employment law solicitor on the air at the time on radio and the, all of those arguments that started by, you know, if somebody in the workplace doesn't get the vaccine, can we kick them out or can we fire them or, yeah. or can everybody yeah. else, you know, discriminate against them and all this kind of stuff. And it was but, the madness of it. It, it was, do you know, I just feel like I'm in an Alice in Wonderland book, even listening to you guys talking there earlier. It's all just crazy. But I feel personally, my human and civil rights were completely taken away. I was treated by a leper, by friends, by family. I, I heard people saying on the road, if you don't take that vaccine, you should be all shipped out to an island off the coast of Ireland. It was just madness. Oh, madness. There were, there were, I heard one broadcaster who will remain nameless on the radio and turned around and said that anybody who didn't take the vaccine was a potential murderer. I, I, exactly. That's government bizarre. people said that. Government, yeah. People in government said that. Um, so I feel I, my human rights, civil rights were completely violated by my government. There was, as, as I said last week, Niall, there's no forum for people to have a different opinion to be heard. The government are just forcing this down our necks. And if you look at the unexplained deaths all over the world, they are higher Absolutely, this year. Well, we talked to Ivor Cummins about that earlier at the start of the show, the excess deaths this year, and trying to have some explanation for that. And, Stephen Donnelly has been asked twice this year about it and doesn't seem to know an answer. Yeah. Anyway, listen. And the, miracle cure, the miracle cure was the nine euro meal. Do you remember oh, you had a nine euro the meal? Famous, the famous the famous nine euro meal, because of course COVID knew how much you, uh, knew how much you'd spent no, on your dinner. You weren't, so you yeah. weren't. But there absolutely should be a public inquiry. It wasn't it wasn't just a nine euro meal, by the way. It was a nine euro meal and no more than forty minutes in a restaurant. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Well, I yeah. certainly now have never graced any of the premises who went down that road. They won't miss my odd glass of wine during the year, I'm sure, but I will not go back into any of the places that enforce those rules. And then went on to take thousands of migrants four months after lockdown. So mm -hmm. that's the way I feel. All right, Madeline, listen, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number is 087 Thank you. No, that's not the number. Sorry. <laughs> that's the wrong number. That's my radio head. 85 2255 by the way, is the number if you want to text or WhatsApp at any stage about anything uh, that we talk about the show, or indeed if you want to bring up something that we've never talked about, uh, we'll happily do it for you. 85 2255 because it is your show. Today, of course, we had a lot of opinions. And by the way, I did, I did. I was hoping that maybe Billy would come on to explain what he said. He doesn't believe there should be a divisive witch hunt. And I don't disagree with him completely about a divisive witch hunt. But I do believe that it, mistakes were made. And I don't mean mistakes. I do believe that people made decisions that cost lives based on having absolutely no data to back up those decisions apart from a, a hunch. Um, I do believe they should be held accountable.
Absolutely. Jobs should be lost. There were also individuals, by the way, and I won't go start naming names, but there were individuals who were making a lot of money who were responsible for decisions. And they were making money based off some of those decisions. There were people, of course, encouraged to go and get PCR tests. The government purposely, and we know this at the time, to try and validate the idea of a lockdown or extending a lockdown when they were supposed to end, for example. They would purposely encourage people to get PCR tests so they could ramp up the figures again. We were told that maybe 30 or 40 people had died in a day with COVID-19. That wasn't the case at all. They didn't die from COVID-19. They died with COVID-19. So these are people who died naturally in hospital from other ailments. You have to remember, people die every single day. I think in Ireland, if I remember rightly, it's something like 70 people per day die in this country from all sorts of things. The number one killer, of course, will be things like cancer, heart disease. They're all the number one killers. And they still remained the number one killers throughout the three years of COVID-19. But if somebody had a heart attack and they happened to test positive when they went into hospital with COVID-19, well, then their debt went down as COVID-19. That was ridiculous, and it was admitted by Leo Varadkar. And yet, when I said that on the radio, I was fact-checked by the journal.ie, who found out that I was factually correct, but they just didn't like me anyway. I mean, that's how ridiculous this got. We had fact-checkers out there fact-checking stuff that we knew already, but we're just taking things out of context. Now, if the government made decisions that affected people's lives and people to die in the future... Well, then, of course, we need to make people accountable, particularly if those decisions were based, again, on having no data. And as Ivor Cummins said earlier on, and don't get me wrong, I don't agree with everything Ivor says. I agree with a lot of what he says, but not everything he says. I don't agree with everything Madeline says. But everybody's entitled to a viewpoint. But the problem during COVID-19 was we weren't entitled to a viewpoint. You were anti-establishment. If you even suggested or questioned the possibility of the lockdowns being the wrong idea. Of course, remember the Barrington Declaration. I had two of the authors of the Barrington Declaration on the radio. On the radio. I was the only one who had them on the radio. No other radio station had them on. I had them on. And I took a huge personal risk in doing that because people were being cancelled constantly all the time for even questioning the state. As I said, so much so that Stephen Donnelly had paid a company to name people like me who were considered to be anti-establishment just because I challenged the governmental view. I challenged the view that lockdowns at that point were serving no purpose. And it turns out, and I hate to say it, I was right. I was absolutely right because all the published papers now that have gone on since show that the longer lockdowns or the lockdowns around the world made absolutely no difference whatsoever. None. Sweden, in fact, fared off better than most. They had restrictions. Of course, if there's a virus, you tell people to do the obvious. Try and keep your distance, people. Don't cough into people's faces. Wash your hands on a regular basis. Of course, they were naturally good things to say and to advise people to do during, a, you know, what we consider to be a pandemic. But not to lock people in their houses. Not to lock them outside a window while their mother or father died. Not to not allow them go to a funeral. These are ridiculous things. I had a caller on the air whose wife was pregnant. And while she went for a visit to see her gynecologist, he was left sitting outside while her wife was sitting there being told that her unborn baby had died. He wasn't even there to hold her hand. That's something they will remember for the rest of their lives. People who will grieve for their parents and their sisters and brothers for the rest of their lives because they couldn't get to hold their hand before they died. 
the amount of people in this country, elderly people still, who are afraid to even leave their homes because they were terrorised by the Irish media and the Irish government into thinking they were all going to die. When in fact that wasn't the case. The mortality rate was actually quite low and under the age of 70, it was no more than the flu. It was actually less than the flu. Over the age of 75, it was a little bit riskier, but not that much. According to the study just coming out of Germany now, the average age of people dying of COVID-19 was 83. The average age of people dying from anything but COVID-19 was 82. So in saying that, people actually, according to their research, lived a year longer if they had COVID. Anyway, please don't forget to support the show. Thank you to everybody, by the way, who listened in today. Thank you to everybody who has taken part in the show. I could have filled three hours with callers today. I really could have. Thank you to Magella from Care Champions who come on and spoke so eloquently about the elderly people of this country. And thank you to everybody who donated towards the show, particularly over the last week. We really, really appreciate it. Without your donations, we can't do anything. Remember, there's no advertising on the show. I know I sound beggy when I do this all the time, but it's really important. We want to continue to provide this platform every day. An open platform for you to say things that some people might not agree with, but others will. And that's your opinion and your view, and you're entitled to that. I may challenge those views every now and again, but I'll let you have your say. Because that's what's important. It's important that we allow people to have their opinions. So please do support the show. Don't forget, you can listen to this podcast in an hour's time. It'll be up in all the usual places, Spotify and all the usual places. Or indeed, if you want to watch the video, you can go onto the website by subscribing on the website. It's a $5.99 subscription for one month, which covers three people's salaries. We don't get paid. <laughs> it covers the bills. <laughs> we have our own jobs, you know. But if you can't do that, please try and donate to the show. Or if you want to give us a little bit more, you can go to the donate page on the website and please donate towards us. Thank you very much indeed to everybody who supports us every single day. We should talk to you again tomorrow at 12. Until then, tell a friend about the show and have a great day. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085 100 The Niall Boylan podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.